You're listening to Special Relationships, a show about monetizing and maximizing your existing client relationships. Visit relationshipaudits.com for more information or contact details. Hello and welcome back to Special Relationships. I'm your host, a Smith called Keith, and I'm here with two experts in finding the hidden revenues that most companies don't pay as much attention to as they should. Measuring, managing and maximising income from existing clients and customers instead of chasing new business all the time. In the last episode, we looked at the difference between new business and the topic of our show, business development. They often get conflated, but there's a huge difference between them the difference between business you need and business you have. In this show, we're going to show you some simple methods you can use to reinforce your existing client relationships. In uncertain times, it's important for your client to know that you're invested in helping them achieve their goals. Rather than simply working for them, you have a shared commitment to success. So welcome, Kerry and Simon. I've been looking forward to this show because we're talking about the absolute essence of nurturing business. When companies and clients work as a partnership, there's so many additional benefits that both parties experience. So just for the record, can you just go through some of the most important benefits of nurturing business and how that can make such a difference? Uh, well, from the service provider's perspective, I think it's um, you know it's in their interest to try and build um, a strong and long-term relationship because that that provides a long-term revenue stream which is good and you know and if it's dependable it, then it's good in all kinds of levels from a client's perspective a long-term uh, partnership delivers a, a service provider that really understands the dynamics of the client's organization how to navigate it in order to get to the desired outcomes that people want from the relationship that they have so it ensures that the communication is better targeted it ensures that the communication is um, is developed and presented in a way that allows it to be processed through the organization in the most effective way, giving less grief to the people at the client end on whose behalf the service provider is working. So in other words, both sides party, both sides benefit. It's a symbiotic relationship. And I think I'd add to that, if you're providing a business service, businesses don't have relationships with businesses people have relationships with people and it's absolutely vital to develop that interpersonal relationship post covid it's got an awful lot more difficult people are often working tuesday wednesdays thursdays have little opportunity for facetime and the impact of actually if it's possible to meet in person or certainly speaking personally to people rather than necessarily sending an email is absolutely huge so, I mean, are you, are you effectively saying that, that when we do have personal meetings with prospects or with clients, it's elevated to a different, it, it's kind of more meaningful to do it, that these days? It is. And there are far less of them taking place. Coming out of COVID, we were saying to our clients, you now have a second chance to make a first impression. And the importance of preparing for those meetings and making an impact when you do meet face to face has has never been greater also i think one of the bits of feedback that we're getting on a regular basis is service provider clients saying call me don't just message me 
don't just send me an email, speak to me because they're getting, in some cases, hundreds of messages or emails a day. The opportunity to speak to somebody and build those personal relationships by being interested in, in them. For example, we were working on behalf of a law firm recently, and uh, one of the questions we ask is, do you feel a valued client? And this lady said to me, uh, yes, I do feel valued because I see them quite regularly and we spend a lot of money with them. But that's not the question you should be asking. The question you should be asking is, do I feel special? And the answer is no, because what she meant was they're interested in my budget. They're not interested in me as a person. That's a very interesting thing. I, I mean, it's it's quite common, isn't it? And uh, I mean, Kerry, I was going to ask you, like, basically, if you, if you look at random at any company website and you're pretty much guaranteed to see somewhere in there that phrase along the lines of, you know, we love to form lasting relationships with our customers. But as we often find, it's a throwaway line, it's disposable. But if you actually take the time to kind of explore those those client-supplier relationships fully, it can, it can become an insurance for the business. Can you just explain, apart from the obvious, the difference between a long-term and a transitory relationship? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very interesting, isn't it? If you, know, if you, if you get in touch with your mobile, mobile phone or your cell phone provider, right, you, you, have, you have an interaction with them, and within a minute, you get a text message back that says, Rate this call with what you just had with us on a scale of 10, right? And you think, oh, all right. So the, the problem that we have in many instances these days is that everybody is focused on the short term. So, you know, it's all about satisfaction with the last interaction, satisfaction with the last interaction. The problem with it is that satisfaction is in, in our experience is fine, but it's transitory. You have a good experience today, you have a bad experience tomorrow, you know, what you got a yin and a yang, okay? So what we do when we try and get in under the skin of relationships is we look to understand the long-term stickability of the relationship. In other words, what we do is we try to find out how committed the clients are to the provider rather than simply how satisfied they are with the provider in the moment. And I think that is a fundamental difference because what you find out by doing this exercise is that the more committed your clients are to you, the more protected the relationship is when you screw up. It's like bubble wrap. If you if you work on the long term and you you work to getting a level of commitment, that insulates you against the odd screw up here and there. And what our questions uh, do, the questions that we ask either whether we're doing this through interviews or through online assessments, is we're out to get a measure of client commitment. And I think I'd add to that that within most organisations, what we often find is that relative levels of commitment vary between different key client stakeholders. And that, of course, the recommendations then come out from that, that the way you deal with and keep a client that is in the zone of what we call commitment is very different to a client that might be apathetic about the relationship, might be just satisfied, or might be just downright very, very unhappy. And if you can plot exactly where each individual stakeholder fits, 
that's a, a much more precise way of retaining and actually growing the business because it, you can identify where where the issues are and then do something about it. But just talking very often to, to one key stakeholder doesn't give you the complete picture. Yeah, and I'd like to say, so, so one of the, for example, one thing that we're able to do because we've worked on the questions that we ask over many years because we're always honing and developing and adding and subtracting and you know shaving an edge off this and putting a bit on that what we're able to do is we're able to develop not just a statement of relative commitment but a map a graphic map of relative commitment in an organization to a service provider we call it unsurprisingly, the client commitment index. And that's exactly what it is. It shows you how committed your clients are to you as an organization. And like all these kind of things, it's a four box grid. You need to be in the top right, not in the bottom left corner of the commitment index. And all our experience suggests that if you are in the top right as a service provider, if a client is in the top right, you're more likely to to be able to write revenue to that client going forward into the next 12 months. If you're in the bottom left, then you got some work to do. But the great news is, even if you're in the bottom left where the client does not think particularly positively about you in our four box grid, that what we've discovered is that if you can fix the problem that's making the guy or the lady sit in the bottom left-hand corner of your grid, if you can fix that problem, guess what happens? You knock that person right up to the top right and you become a committed client. It's a bit like when you break a bone anywhere in your body and it heals, it's stronger than it was before it broke. And that's what happens. So the trick is look for ways of understanding, not just transitory satisfaction, but look for ways of understanding relative commitment. Just to add to, to, to that point, just because a key decision maker might be in the top right hand corner and saying he or she's committed not to not take notice of more junior people within the client organization again some work that we've done actually shows that the decision to review business particularly out of contract almost 50 percent of cases senior management will, will actually say this has come from the lower ranks telling us how dissatisfied they are if you have one person in the bottom left-hand corner, what we call the zone of rejection, they can be dangerous whatever whatever level they are because they will be bad-mouthing the service provider within the business at every opportunity. It's important, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've seen it myself when, you know, the, the, you get everybody on board rather than, you know, because the, the, the more junior ranks tend to be the ones that are using the service to, on a day-to-day -day basis. They're, they're, they're in the trenches with it all the time. So that's an important piece of feedback to have them on side. Exactly. And uh, just to add to that, you know, the junior clients are the senior clients of tomorrow, point one. And and point two, with the great resignation, the great reshuffle, people are moving on at a far quicker pace. And if you keep every everybody satisfied or everybody committed, the opportunity for them to actually take that great experience of working with you wherever they go in the future is there to be grasped. You know, we, we've discovered that in our own business, to be honest, Keith, if you can deliver a service and a product that exceeds people's expectations and continually does so, when your when your clients leave and go elsewhere, and um, we've had this on a number of occasions, people just, our clients just pick up the phone and say, 
OK, come and come and come and do what you did for me here now um, because the, because of the value that it adds. You mentioned earlier, and I thought it was a it was a great example of the the telecom company when you know it'll immediately send you a customer satisfaction form, and and that is its kind of job done as far as they're concerned. In order to get a more accurate picture, I mean, what what kind of techniques can you give to people now that they can simply and kind of easily deploy in order to ensure that they're kind of giving and receiving value with their client relationship? Are there any tips you could give out now? Well, I mean, I think the first thing is that make sure that you proactively do you you reach out, as they say, to get feedback from your from your clients, but recognize that if you're going to do it properly, then you need to cover more more bases than, you know, how would you rate your last interaction on a scale of 10? Right. That's one question. One question in our perspective, in our experience, doesn't give you the kind of information that you really need. Um, in order to develop the best response to any particular situation in which you in which you agree. So how strongly would you recommend? That's fine, but it doesn't tell you, you know, the basis on which that recommendation would be would be given. So that's one of the reasons we developed our online tool called Relationship Radar, for example, because Relationship Radar looks at the relationship in a fuller sense. It's still really quick and easy to do for the for the client individual, but for the service provider, they get far more usable signposting intelligence that allows them to understand not just what they're doing right, but where the threats are. It's called Relationship Radar. Why do you think it's called Relationship Radar? Because it's an early warning tool to help people understand where there may be putative problems that can develop and get out of control. So by by taking the initiative and by going to your client community with a suggestion of look we're going to do this we'd like to get your in your input into it the benefits to them will be better service better value all that kind of stuff the benefits to you as the service provider will be actionable relationship intelligence and if i can if i if i can just build on that keith i i think um it's important to understand what your clients mean by value i i chaired a conference recently where uh, there were seven purchasing and procurement people on the stage. And before we went onto the stage, I asked them each to write down on a piece of paper what their definition of value was. And out of the seven people, we had five different definitions of value. The importance of value is one of, if not the most important thing for, for every client. One of the mistakes people often make is to assume that your definition of value is exactly the same as the client's definition of value. And at the end of the day, if you're a service provider, you're providing a service, you need to understand where the client is coming from, not where you are starting at. That's the first point. The second point is, as we've spoken about in the earlier show, is the importance of adding value. So you've got to understand where value actually starts from, but also, what precisely clients are looking for in terms of added value. As we said, one of the points is what's keeping you awake at night. But certainly clients are looking for lots of different pieces of added value. And what we found, particularly in the legal industry, of what was considered added value five or 10 years ago, such as sending in secondees or the use of the firm's meeting rooms, is now considered standard. There is one client who we spoke to recently who had a 
two page A4 list of all of the things that she was expecting as part of the contract rather than added value. So it's important to think about how can you consistently add value and how can you be proactive? Just to build on that, I think there's another element here, right, which is which is another example of demonstrating listening skills. In the first show, we talked about meeting expectations, right? In the same vein as that, it's astonishing to us that so many service providers don't say to their client community, how can we add value? Because let's remember, we're all different, right? As my youngest son said many, many years ago, people are like strawberries. They're all different shapes and sizes. And he did. Um, but people are different and they want different things. And what they see as added value is different, right? So so don't assume, don't th- assume it's a it's a cookie cutter where everybody wants the same kind of added value. They don't. But you know what? You only find out what the value add to these people is if you ask them. Specifically with, with the radar in mind, firstly, what does it stand for? As we all know, radar gives you early warning, right? And what we did was we put together a survey and assessment tool that essentially looks at a relationship using the prism of five different evaluation points. So R in radar stands for relationship, A stands for attitude, D stands for delivery, A stands for added value, and R stands for recommendation. These are the areas that really we put into one one bucket that clients kept telling us were the things that they use to make an assessment about the quality of the relationship with their service provider. So we said, okay, fine. So these are the areas. We'll organize them into uh, these five buckets called uh, radar. And then what we'll do is we'll put together an assessment that takes five minutes to do. And you can do this online, right? You can do this online. We can do it for our clients or some clients, in fact, just take a license from us and they do this themselves using our intellectual property. And the point is, we've been doing this for quite a long time now. So we've got millions of data points. So not only do you know you find out how you're doing, you find out how you're doing against all the other people in the database. So that gives you benchmarkability all the time. And the great thing about it is that because it is so simple and quick to do, it's very clear where you've got to take action. It's simple, easy to do. You can do it on all these different devices that you do these days. Um, and as I say, it gives you the, what you're doing well, gives you what you're doing, need to do better, what the threats are and what the opportunities are. I'd just add to that, that one of the other features of Radar is it gives you a one number score. We have spent years developing an algorithm that will give an overall score, either out of seven or out of 10, of the overall relationship radar score. And we recognize that business relationships are complicated. They're not like consumer relationships. And therefore, there is more that needs to lie behind getting a a proper grip on a client's business than just asking one question. That's a very interesting point. And I think that you know the, what you're saying about sort of the the difference between consumer and business to business relationships i mean has become so clear given the fact that we're now entering a a, a new period of ways to work you know we've we've got a, a a new a new model of working tuesday wednesday thursday and not on the monday and the 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 friday i mean given that that this is now um, it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon, and uh, this is probably going to be the the sort of standard way of 
of, of working now. I mean, what sort of challenges now are being presented by this, this kind of new working paradigm? Has it made your job more difficult or easier? I don't think it's made, I don't think it's made that much difference to us. What has happened is that client companies have, have in many instances, you know, decided to put take a, um, a time out uh, and look at the way they're doing things. So um, that means they review all kinds of stuff. Um, and and what agent, agencies and service providers and law firms and all that kind of people have said to us is that, hang on, before we get before we get the call about they're going to do things differently, why don't we go in and find out what it is they're thinking about doing? So in other words, they take the initiative to go in and find out exactly um, how they are doing, what they need to do with regard to the way that the client's business is developing. I think that the bigger thing, it relates to something that we talked about in the first show, which is how you build strong relationships when you've never met people. And, you know, Simon came up with this great phrase, what, what you need to do is you need to give yourself a second opportunity to make a first impression. Keith, you asked the question, how has our business changed? I think when we first started, we were a business that was all about face-to-face -face depth interviews. Then, probably about 15 years ago, the boom of online studies, and we invested a huge amount in terms of our online offering. It's very interesting that over the last three or four years, we've seen that kind of balance back, that very often when we're doing work for service providers with their key clients, we'll take the key decision makers or the people at the top of the tree in terms of depth interviews and we'll take everybody else online because people are seeing that the depth that one can get of talking one-on-one -on -one with an interviewee yields even greater data. That's a very good point that, you know, for a lot of service providers, they want to know more than a simply quick, a simple quick pass about what's happening in the depth of the relationship. The other interesting thing that's happened um, is that there's been a lot of M&A activity in the service provider community over the last couple of years. And a number of our um, of our clients have sought to acquire other agencies or other providers. Mm. Um, and what they've done is to um, essentially get us to get involved in that process. So that what we do is we go and talk to the, um, the vendors, clients on on they on on behalf so to speak of the vendor to get a sense of you know how strong the relationships are but we're actually that the process has been funded by the acquirer to get a sense of how strong the relationships really are as opposed to how strong the relationships the vendor may claim that they are one of the things that we do with that is we we're able to say, you know, this how committed these individual relationships are and whether there are any people in those relationships on behalf of the vendor whose presence is critical for when that acquisition completes. Because what you don't want to do is to buy a set of relationships where all the people that are instrumental in those relationships, having grown to the point that they are at, then leave because the acquirer decides they're not they don't want to keep them. To add to Kerry's point, very often those people aren't necessarily going to benefit from the deal. So locking in people at every level is really important. 
So not not so much challenges, more opportunities, really, as as far indeed. as that's concerned. Indeed, yeah. indeed. I mean, we we see what we do as really finding finding opportunities through actionable insight. Yes, sometimes it develops or we uncover issues that need to be addressed. But believe me, what we do is we're looking for the positives as much as we're looking for any negatives. And I think one of the things that we've learned is that if you keep asking questions about the same thing, you can dig and dig and dig until you might find something. But actually, what we're looking for are the important issues and opportunities. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. I mean, what are the the kind of tips that, that listeners can take away from the show this time? Number one, we talk a lot about measuring, managing and maximising the potential of the relationship, right? So in terms of measuring, I think the point I really want to say is don't assume. Don't assume you know what's going on. Um, put in place a regular assessment programme for once or twice a year. But And this is crucial, not more than twice a year. Because our experience shows that you then start to get the over-survey and people can't be bothered and they drop out and... You've lost the point of doing the thing in the first place. The last first point, do it regularly, but no more than twice a year. Secondly, in terms of how you work with that intelligence that you generate, make sure that you act on the feedback and you are seen to do so by going back to your client with action plans so that they know exactly what you're committing to in order to address any issues that have come out of that evaluation process. And how do you take that on a level? How do you maximize? Well, use the feedback to identify the opportunities that you could bring to your client by leveraging what you've been doing with other clients to give them success and to reapplying that to lift and shift, as they say, uh, ideas that have worked and apply them in other areas when that's relevant. Because that is a real easy win to actually add value. I'd also add, I think, when dealing with online client client feedback, recognising that an average client will probably receive one survey a day, and therefore keeping the question set as short as you possibly can. Just building on that, Simon, and of course the other point about it, not just keep it short, make it easy to use and make it graphically interesting. And we've spent a lot of time over the years trying to make sure that whenever we do online assessments, they're easy to use on any kind of device. They're graphically involving and intuitive. Um, So they make the process simple because that's what it's all about. In our next show, we'll be taking a closer look at data, specifically the sort of customer satisfaction data you can use to help build, grow and nurture those all-important client relationships. And we'll be giving you some helpful advice on how to create a 360-degree view of your customers. So join us then as Kerry, Simon and I help you measure, manage and maximise the revenue you already own next time on Special Relationship the podcast about how to monetize your existing clients and customers. If you would like to explore and unlock any hidden growth for your business, you can contact Relationship Audits by email to info at relationshipaudits.com or find them on the web at relationshipaudits.com. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. 
Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. You're listening to Special Relationships, a show about monetizing and maximizing your existing client relationships. Visit relationshipaudits.com for more information or contact details.